years ahead of the dominant media. FirstAmendmentRadio.com and FirstAmendmentRadio.net. Around the world and on satellite. Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. We talked a little bit this morning on Blog Talk about Diocletian because it happens to be the day that he took over part of his imperial powers back in the years uh, 296 and 300 A.D. He had uh, done something that was very interesting, which you can read about on Wikipedia if you look up Edict of Diocletian. He tried to control prices and wages. He tried to get the people back on the gold standard and even the silver standard, but uh, it, it failed utterly. He was doing whatever he could. He eventually resigned, but the reality was the die had been cast. There was no going back, partly because the people had lost the virtue that had once brought Rome to its great power. They had lost it long before Augustus Caesar which is why they went to a from a republic where people were free from things public, where uh, most taxation was voluntary, where people helped one another because they cared about one another. It was a matter of honor to come to the aid and assistance of your other fellow countrymen, and they did that on a regular basis, both for the needy of their society and uh, when charity and in the time of military uh, invasion by other people. They got together, and because this togetherness through their hearths, which were family groups gathered together, and those groups gathered together with other groups, they were able to go out in, and uh, mountains out of existence, set up harbors, build ships as big as Noah's Ark that carried thousands of passengers and tons and tons of cargo. Uh, these are huge pro- projects that required a great deal of cooperation with no slave labor class to speak of. This is way back 400 B.C. that they were doing some of these things, which was hundreds of years before they had the first emperor. They were building roads that went all over Italy and eventually all over the world. I mean, some of the roadbeds were 20, 30 feet deep because they were quite the engineer. Most of the centurions didn't uh, pull their sword in battle. They were builders, and they were loved by people all over the world. Occasionally, they had uh, people that tried to war against them, and they were very capable of doing war, but they were a predominant force in the course of history because of their virtue as a people, because of their their adherence to a concept of law that was unique amongst the world that was fairly barbaric in its nature. So they they would uh, come into an area and set up a system of justice, a system of economy. They had their silver coins, their gold coins, and they would were using those in commerce because they were commodity-type money. They would operate and improve the situation so much so that they were actually invited in and popular amongst many of the nations where they went. They were not the conquerors that we sometimes uh, get the impression from the movies, but they became that. They became that when they found this fairly pure republic that they had uh, created back when they threw the Tarquinian kings out 500 years before 
Christ, and they changed the nature of their society by moving that way, but their society had already changed to some degree to allow them to even move in that direction to begin with. As they changed the nature of their government and the way in which they governed them, their society changed. And it did not change for the better, but for the worse. And they eventually created this empire by indirectly electing an emperor through a kind of electoral college of the Senate. They moved in another direction. They started having a huge welfare system. First, it was financed a great deal by Augustus Caesar himself, actually out of his own pocket. He was an extremely wealthy man. The armies that he put into the field were often supported by himself. But they moved into this welfare state, and they had moved there because they had brought in a great many foreign workers into their own country, and they put them in a sort of V system of statutory bondage where they were actually slaves. We have a very poor image of what the uh, slave situation was in Rome. Originally, they were just hired workers who didn't have uh, the same status as the Roman citizen himself. But eventually, Roman citizenry became this thing called Quiris, not Romanos, or Romeos, as we uh, see in the biblical text, but it became this citizenship as a legal citizenship with certain rights that were not rights but privileges guaranteed by government. To be Romeos, as Paul was, was to be this free individual not subject to the administrative law that Rome was beginning to create. They created this administrative law partially from the influence of the Greeks. But this was all the result of choices that people were making and establishing on their own in a system of governance. We often are told because of misinterpretations of the Bible that God creates all government. God creates all liberty. He does not create all government. Government is something that men create for themselves. And most of those governments, such as civil government, is exactly defined as that, what men create for themselves. When men elected Saul, that was not God electing Saul. God sent his prophet to warn them against electing Saul. Not because Saul was a bad man, but because they were giving power to a man that would corrupt him. And he was corrupted by it. So governments are not created by God. They are created by men. Now, there is a kind of government that men should be establishing, but they have to have the virtues of Christ and be following the ways of the prophets in order to create that government, and that government is not created by a social contract. Nobody signed the Ten Commandments but God. Now, Moses had to explain those Ten Commandments, and he wrote what we know as the Statutes of Moses, or the Statutes of Moses, which are simply trying to explain the Ten Commandments and to create a kind of legal system that the people could operate in because they all couldn't hear what the Ten Commandments were all about. God, they would read the Ten Commandments and not understand what they really were talking about. Today, most Christians do not really understand the Ten Commandments. Most Jews do not really understand the Ten Commandments, but that's another story, but what's happened, because we do not have God's ways written on our hearts and our minds, we create an alternative system where God is not present in that system. It is what we often call a secular system, which is kind of the word world for world, world secular, secular. There was a word at the time of Christ in the Greek that also meant world. And it was cosmos, coming from camizo, meaning to take care of. And from the days of Nimrod to the days of Caesar, men offered to take care of the people, to be the salvation of the people. That's what Augustus was called, the savior of the people. And we look to those men 
for our salvation, for our protection, for our temporal solution to the world and the problems that come about in the world. And we give those men power, and that power corrupts those men, and they have a tendency to offer us benefits that weakens us, and so that in times of affluence, the poor are not strengthened but weakened, and we all become poor in spirit. And we need to avoid that. We need to do something quite different, but we are led off to become these human resources and are captured in a net of our own making. And we talked a little bit about that on the previous show. And what is that net of our own making? We see in Job 18.8, they cast into a net by his own feet and walketh upon a snare. We have done that. I love Proverbs 1. If we read that whole thing, or let's say we start around verse uh, eight or nine, my son, hear the instructions of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother, for thy shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. If you do this, if you forsake the laws of our father, do we know what those are? Well, we know the Ten Commandments was the law of our father in heaven. And have we forsaken that? What is one of those laws? Thou shalt not covet. Another one, thou shalt not make covenants, agreements, with who? Other gods, gods that are not believers in the God of heaven, men who are not, these gods were men. You don't make a covenant with a stone idol. You make a covenant with an actual man where you can actually make a contract with that representative of some other God concept the God's many that Paul talks about. So we're looking here for uh, an explanation of what is this net that is laid before us and established by our own doing that we see in Job 18.8. And we also see down here in Proverbs 1. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, come with us, let us lay wait for blood. Let us work privately for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole as those that go down into the pit. What is this net that we're making, this, uh, this thing that requires our consent, that is light lurking privately for blood? What is this idea of blood? Well, blood is the seat of the soul, according to Moses. It is, it is your rights. It is your corporeal and incorporeal hereditaments of personality. It is what you have a right to do. You have a right to your labor. Your labor is yours. Your, your life is given to you by God. Now, it's first given to you by your parents, your father and your mother. That's why if you go back in Proverbs, it talks about, my son, hear the instructions of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother, because part of that Ten Commandments is to honor thy father and thy mother. You have, that, is the, that is what God created, was the family from the beginning. Made them man and woman, and they could have children, and those children owe their life to their parents. And as long as their parents live, they should enrich their parents. They should support their parents. But most children today, they're not supporting their parents. The government is supporting their parents, and they support their parents by giving to the altars of the government, and the government takes care of their parents. There's a disconnect here in society when you do that. And we see that same disconnect created by the Pharisees before Christ came, 78 B.C., uh, with Herod and his baptism, that you would sign up. You would, by your own hand, a contract that could be enforceable at law. And now 
your contribution was forced and determined by statute. And you could be arrested and thrown into jail. You could be fined. You could be penalized because by your own hand, you have agreed to a system of social welfare. And what should have been for your welfare became a snare, a net of recompense. And you were bound up. And Christ came upon the scene, and this is what had been going on. And he could have gone to the temple and said, yeah, yeah, no, I'd like a job here, and I want to live in the plush headquarters of the temple, you know, and I, you know, I know all this stuff, and, and I'm sure the devil offered him such a position, and we see a reference to the fact that the devil says, I'm going to give you this kingdom that I've created if you just accept me as the authority. And lots of people go in and they, they work in governments today that are built just like that government at the time of Christ. Not by God it wasn't built. It was built by men who signed these agreements. You know, I've seen the Constitution. God's name isn't on that. He never signed that. That wasn't created by God. That was created by men. And those people who signed that created that government, and those people who acquiesced to that, the state, they gave power to that government, and now you have given power to that government because you went and applied for benefits from that government, which exercises authority, that forces your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. That's in violation of the Ten Commandments. You're coveting your neighbor's goods, but you're also weaving a net that you, you don't have to go to your neighbor's house, kick in his door, and force him to contribute, but somebody will. If he decides he doesn't want to contribute to your welfare, he's not allowed that choice. He's not allowed that freedom. He is forced to contribute because he has signed up. Now, he could not sign up, but he will be excluded in almost every avenue of business throughout the world. He can't go get bank accounts. He can't go get jobs he can't even really land he can't get on an airplane because he can't get id because he's not a member of your society he is excluded he hasn't been marked by your society and therefore he is in another society or if he's or he's in no society you see and christ came to create that alternative society that you didn't have to go get the baptism of Herod and enter into his social welfare scheme. You could get the baptism of John the Baptist. And this is what John the Baptist was doing out there in the desert. Is he was baptizing people into another system because he was a member of a religious institution, the same as the Pharisees were a member of a religious institution, but he was a different one. And they didn't mess with John the Baptist too much. The Pharisees didn't. Because, you know, his father was had been prominent, he was well-known, and he was out there with these other guys in the desert doing something other than what the government of Herod was doing. But it was legal. And that's what we're seeking to do, too. We're, we want to be the church established by Jesus Christ. We want to seek his ways and do what he's doing. Now, there are some people who come on and read all this extensive material that we offer for free, and they don't really want to go where we want to go. They want to, they want to argue, or they want to do something contrary. And we won't, we're not going to argue. We know where we want to go, and we're going to go that way, and they are free to go their way. And you are free to join our network and become a part of what we're doing. But if you join the network, you have to become a part of what we're doing. If you don't want to, you can leave. We have groups where you can get on and, and you can talk and you can chatter and you can uh, discuss and all these things. And you can actually do that on the network. But you have to be committing yourself to going this way of the kingdom and striving in this way. And we should rebuke one another. We may find one another doing something wrong. But we have a very clear plan laid down by Christ to weave the net of Christ, a system of faith, hope, and charity that does not forsake the gathering together, but gathers together. And the pattern that we see in the first century church, which we explained in the book, Thy Kingdom Come, is 
tens, hundreds, and thousands. Ten families get together to pick a minister. We don't require that you have ten, but you have to have at least two. Pick somebody else outside of your own family to be a minister. And that minister is your connecting point in a network. He connects with other ministers, and you're all connected. And this is the net that does not bind but sets you free because it's a net. Your individual desire to love one another, which is what Christ told us to do, and that's why you want to do that is because you love Christ. And if you don't have Christ in you, you will not be able to do that. You will, you will bicker. You will argue. You will fight. You will... Somebody will point out something they think you're doing wrong, and you'll get resentful, and you'll think that they're beating you up because they actually told you what was on their mind. You won't allow them the freedom to speak their mind without taking offense. These are all the things that divide people. Or you'll be a backbiter, truce breaker. You'll go behind other people's back, and you will... Uh, you know, a common thing we see is that uh, amongst people of the world is that they uh, they make little accusations, but they don't really put teeth into them. They just make a reference. Oh, these guys you may not want to trust. Or these guys, uh, you can't always trust what they say. And you say, well, what can't you trust? Oh, geez, I don't want to get into it, but, you know, just watch yourself. Well, you know, if you make an accusation, you should speak up. And say what it is. If you don't, you're you're what is defined as a backbiter. And the Bible tells us in Second Timothy, chapter three, from such turn away. So the network needs to be very open to those who want to go the ways of Christ. We see Christ coming upon you know Matthew and saying, you know, I'll make you fishers of men. And he, he has this concept of net. Now, if you take the analogy too far, it's, you know, like he's fishing you out and killing you, but he compares, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net. So it is like a net uh, that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full, they drew it to shore and sat down and gathered the good into the vessel, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from amongst the just. Now, that means that right now we're setting the net and almost anybody can come. We, we don't keep you out. But we're weaving the net we're not fishing the people. We're weaving the net. And the net is composed of those fishers of men that join us together. And that is what the network is supposed to be, is this gathering of men who have a cause, have a purpose, and, and form that network that will gather all nations. And let the angels separate them out, and that will be done mostly by the wrath of God, which is another whole subject which we won't get into uh, today. But we will talk more about the concept of the goodness and the badness. it first on FirstAmendmentRadio.com and FirstAmendmentRadio.net, around the world and on satellite. Gold and silver is tremendously undervalued. Global demand vastly exceeds mine supply by more than 60% and little in the financial world more certain than a coming explosion in the prices of gold and silver. The U.S. dollar continues to lose value and respect as the world's reserve currency. Our nation faces challenges on many fronts, and a day doesn't pass without another economist bringing forth warnings of impending economic calamity. There has never been a better time than right now to acquire physical gold and silver. 
Discount Gold and Silver Trading was founded on the principles of truth and honesty. We believe in providing a quality product, quality service, and most importantly, competitive pricing. We provide all forms of precious metals, including American gold, silver, platinum, and circulated coins. Silver bars, rounds, and 90% silver bags are on hand for the silver investor. Gold self-directed IRAs are available. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. Toll free, that's 1-800-375-4188. Now listen to me. The Bible says, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD, Government Takeover of the Church. Order online today at FirstAmendmentRadio.com or call 559-781-3773. Who will tell them if not you? Hi, Nicholas here. I used to lug those big jugs to the market to fill with water from those coin-operated filter machines. 25 cents a gallon or 5 gallons for a buck. I used to. Then I got the big Berkey. Now I save my back and hundreds of dollars too. I was paying $600 for the same 3,000 gallons of water that a pair of black Berkey filters will provide from my own tap for only $99. This means that your Berkey water system will entirely pay for itself with only 1,500 gallons of use. And then you will still have 1,500 gallons left before you need to replace the filters. Do the math. Stop throwing your money away on bottled water and filter dispensers that may or may not be delivering as promised. For a limited time, First Amendment Radio is offering 10% off on the most popular Berkey water systems. Visit the shopping page at FirstAmendmentRadio.com or call us at 559-781-3773 for more information. Leave your name and address and we'll send you this special offer. Do it now. First Amendment Radio is an authorized distributor of Berkey products. write an article on Diocletian and the Edict of Diocletian to show you exactly what was going on at that time. Most people think that somehow the church didn't have any church buildings or church property, and of course it had a lot of buildings and a lot of property all over the Roman Empire at the time of Diocletian, long before Constantine. And uh, part of this edict was demanding that not only that those buildings be destroyed and raised to the ground, and property be confiscated, but also that uh, the uh, presidents of these congregations of the people, uh, the presidents in the church, which is the word they use when they translate that, it would be committed to jail and put into prison. Why? What was the church doing that was ticking poor Diocletian off so much? Because the church wasn't doing the things that most Romans were doing. They were a separate society within the Roman society. There were many of the emperors, like Hadrian and Trajan, had already said, leave the Christians alone. They were idiotists. They were non-participators. They had their own system. We have writings of early Christians like Justin saying that uh, this is how it works. And they're writing to the emperor himself, which at that time was... Antonius Pius, who was the mentor of Marcus Aurelius, who actually has the worst human rights record for persecuting Christians, yet he had many of the principles of a modern fundamentalist preacher, but he didn't like Christians. Why? But they feared the Christians, because they never knew if they were going to cause some sort of rebellion or rise up. And the fact is is that the Christians were not going to rebel and rise up, but they did have their own system. They were a separate system. They had a separate economy, a separate system of welfare. They didn't apply for the benefits at the altars of Rome 
which were the government civil altars of Rome, which were the government welfare office. They didn't go to that welfare office because that welfare office is run by those men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority, and they knew they weren't supposed to be that way. They had their own system of welfare. Today, in the modern church, they don't have that. They send everybody to the government offices, and they've created another system. They have been snared in another net, and they have been made weak in that net. As we were reading Proverbs, they they have this, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, Come with us, let us lay wait for blood. Let us look privately for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole as those that go down into the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our house with spoil. Cast in thy lot among us. Let us all have one purse. They're talking socialism here. They're talking about a system where you elect people and they force the contributions of the people and we all have one purse and somebody has the authority to decide who gets what. Now, why would anybody do that? It's because they want their health clinic now. They want their health care now. They want their free education now. And they don't have faith and hope that their neighbor will contribute and build that together with them in faith, open charity. So they're going to force their neighbor to do that by all having one purse and someone being an exercising authority who can force the equal contributions of everybody. They somehow or other, they think they're going to get justice by doing this. And they covet their neighbor's goods. They want to make sure that their neighbor contributes their fair share. And they create institutions to do this. God doesn't create those institutions. They do. And then they they arm some of their men, and they send them out to force their neighbor. But they're trapped in the same system. Now, they usually start picking on the rich. If they look at these people that are so rich, they got all this money, and they have all this wealth, and they're not contributing, and I'm down here working hard, and it's jealousy and envy that writes these laws and creates these systems. And they say, we'll force those rich to contribute to our welfare. They can afford it. But what happens is the rich end up getting out of it. And the poor end up paying the bigger bill. The huge bill. And the rich stay rich and often get richer. And everybody is caught. Everybody who is the hard workers of society, they're caught in between. The slothful poor on one side and the wicked rich on the other. I shouldn't say wicked rich, because just being rich doesn't make them wicked. But those who want to get into the kingdom, even the rich, have to give up something. Here was a rich man comes to Jesus and say, I give up half of everything I have to the poor. Half. That's a tremendous amount. But he was rich. He's still living high on the hog, so that he can afford that. But that's that's quite strange. But he says, I want to do more. He says, okay, you want to do more. What he was saying is, I want to enter into the ministry. I want to be a part of what you're doing. Oh, that's easy. Just give up everything and become a bondservant of the Lord so that you belong to God. You own nothing in your own name. You own all things in common. But you have dedicated your life, your fortune, to the service of God. Now, who out there is willing to do that? To really become that humble servant who will get down on his knees and wash the feet of the people and the ministers of Christ and guide them in the ways of Christ. Who will do that? My son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path, for their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. Surely, in vain, the net is spread in the sight of any bird, and they are captured in the net of their own making. We need to weave the net of Jesus Christ. It's woven with love and patience and honor. We end up being those men who do what we say we will do. 
we be those men who you can offend and we are not offended. You can call us names and we don't lose our temper. We don't get angry. We don't whine and cry like a stuck pig. We bless you. We, we can take it because we serve a higher power. We are bound in another way. It is not about our vanity. We don't want up on a pedestal. We want down on the floor to wash your feet. And pride keeps you from having your feet washed. Like Peter, I'm not going to do this. Well, if you don't do this, you can't enter the kingdom. He had to bring Peter down by going down lower than Peter. It still wasn't enough. He was still denying Christ and still boasting. This is a different spirit that runs the government of God than what you see out in the governments of the world. But it was another government. And it is a threat to the governments of the world. But not a threat in the way of some revolutionary. Except for the revolutionary of Christ. It's a threat because Christ has come to set us free from all this vanity, pride, wantonness avarice but in order to do that we have to let go following Christ is mostly about letting go but it's also about doing the wicked desireth the net of evil men but the root of the righteous yieldeth fruit a man that flattereth his neighbor spreadeth a net for his own feet Now, this flattering uh, a neighbor it has to do with what we talk about here, pedestal, secretly envy that place themselves. And then they get angry because if you're not interested in a pedestal, you're not going to put them on one either. And they say, you know, that's what they resent. They say, I put you on a pedestal. Why aren't you putting me on a pedestal too? And these things all take place in a very subtle realm of our, our minds and hearts. But it doesn't have anything to do with following Christ. It has to do with the wicked and the wicked ways. Isaiah, the sons have fainted. They lie at the head of all the streets and wild bulls in a net. As a wild bull in a net, they are full of fury of the Lord and rebuke of thy God. There are a lot of people that are angry at the system. They're angry at the way that the governments of the world are operating. They are angry at the fact that they are bound in this system of Corby, of tribute. But that is not the solution. The solution is to turn around and go another way, to weave that net of, of the Lord. It's a net composed of virtue of faith, of hope, of love. And that net is evident by the love we have for one another. And you don't have love for one another if you don't want to know who one another is. You don't want to know who one another or where one another are. Uh, you don't want to come together with one another. Because you can't love one another if you don't even know who your neighbor is. And you need to know. And that's why we're creating the Living Network. And we encourage everybody to join it and start finding out who their neighbor is. Now, of course, because this network is young, and there are people joining up, numerous people joined up this week when they read our article on News of Views about the coercive church. I think that was the last one that went up. I've already got another one written that uh, I'll have to be sending in. But every time they read these articles, more people come to the network. And, of course, more people fall away because they came here for the wrong thing. They came to the network for the wrong purpose. And when that purpose was not fulfilled, they'll, they'll fall away and they'll go another way. And that's, of course, what Christ at his time. And many people came, but they did not really want to follow the ways that Christ was laying out for them. And most of the churches are not telling us what those ways were because it, during the reign of the modern church, that people have been delivered back into the bondage of the world, been again entangled in this bondage 
of the world have waived their God-given rights and accepted the benefits from men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. That's all happened in the watch of the modern church. Now, the new article, Heal Our Land, will go out shortly. Uh, a short version will go out to News with Views because I have a word limit. Uh, we'll have footnotes in it, but we'll cut out some of those footnotes so that it will fit into their space. But there will also be an indictment of the modern church, and, you know, another 900 words added onto the end that will indict the modern church and show you that there have been pastors that have creeped in and weakened the gospel. They've diluted the gospel of the kingdom. They say, oh, you're saved just because you believe, but they don't tell you who Christ really was and what he was really doing and what his message was in its entirety. And so they delude you into a way in which you go back and are again entangled. And that's already happened. You know, Diocletian was doing everything he could, and some people were rebelling and selling materials illegal. They went to a system of barter. And they were arrested. I know I know people in, here in the state of Oregon that tried to set up a bartering system to avoid the taxes of the modern-day Diocletian. Not a good idea. There is a system. It, it doesn't mean that people of the church and of faith will not be eventually persecuted, but right now that hasn't been taking place. Most of the people that are being persecuted are being persecuted because their feet have strayed into that net that they have made themselves. And they want it out of that net, and they struggle like this bull in the street. And that is not what we should be doing. We should not be struggling against the net of our own making, but weave another net, a more righteous habitation, the righteous mammon. And that's where we put our faith in the love of Christ by gathering together in accordance with the love of Christ and loving one another in that network bound by faith, hope, and charity in the perfect law of liberty. It's really very simple. You're going to need those people. Some people want to get gather together and they say, okay, what are we going to do? I don't want to just talk about this. I want to actually do something. And then somebody says, well, you know, I want to do this. And they say, well, I don't want to have any time for that. Uh, that's not what I want to do. Well, do you want to listen to others and what their concern are? Do you want to converse and have a conversation with them? Or do you have your own agenda and everybody's got to conform to that? The fact is you need to come together and have patience with one another. You need to think about what are we going to do when we are excluded from every avenue of this world commerce. When, you know, the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast here already, everybody's got one. Go to the website and look up detailed study of the mark of the beast. Most everybody has got one. There are some that have never received the mark. And we would like to encourage them to consider the ministry and to become a part of what we're doing and start serving the Lord. And this is all explained in these books, The Covenants of the Gods, That Kingdom Comes. Uh, that Kingdom Comes gives you a, a clearer picture of how the kingdom operated for thousands of years. The church report goes into more detail. We have other books like The Higher Liberty that deals with the Romans 13 and socialism and the difference between republics and democracies. And, and it's a kind of packed full of information that you won't hear anywhere else. Well documented, lots of footnotes. And constitutions, or contracts, covenants, and constitutions, or the covenants, contracts, and constitutions. <laughs> it's, it's the three C's. It's what we call the CCC series. And it will talk about exactly that, you know, this contractual nature of government. The Constitution was a contract. You didn't sign it at first, but eventually you've signed up and you've become a member. And this is exactly what Herod was getting people to do and Pharisees were getting people to do, to sign up. And how do you get them to sign up where they waive rights is that you offer them benefits. Now, that's a done deal. You can't unsign that. You have stricken hands and become a surety for debt. 
You cannot save yourself now. But you can seek the salvation of Christ. And it's going to require that you become diligent in the pursuit of the ways of Christ. Otherwise, you will remain under tribute. There is no gimmick. There is no secret. You can't just fill out a few papers and then suddenly you're free. You can give that a try, but you were gonna, what you're doing is often walking the plank. You're saying, I don't want to be a part of this pirate ship anymore and I'm leaving. Um, unfortunately, you're out to sea. And you leave, it's a long swim back. If you're a really good swimmer, you can go ahead and give it a shot. But it isn't the plan of Christ, not of Moses. It wasn't the plan of Abraham when he left Ur with many souls. He gathered together with other people that were seeking the ways of God. And he set up altars of living stone. And he set the table of the Lord to help people in their time of need. And there will be a time of need, just as there was in the days of Diocletian. And we need to turn around and go that other way. We've been toiling at this for quite a few years, and I, I note that the words of Simon, the Simon answering, said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Christ had said, put the net down on the other side of the boat. Now to the ministers that are already out there and those who would like to be ministers at his holy church, Think about what this means. We've been putting the net down and getting nothing. Well, we are gathering. Our numbers are increasing every day. But not to the extent that we would like. We are not, you know, he may have caught a few fish, but he wasn't catching, you know, the fish that he needed that would make it warrant to put down the net. He was losing money here. And Christ said, put the net down, but on the other side of the boat. Well, it's the same water. It's not. What's the difference does it make? But it, it, there's a message in this. The ministers need to know where the kingdom is going. It needs to know the path to the kingdom. It needs to know where not to step. It needs to know where the danger spots are. That's what the ministry needs to know because they are the shepherds. They stand a little taller than the sheep in the field, but they're there to serve the sheep. They don't lord it over the sheep. They're saying, oh, you know, that's dangerous over there. There's quicksand over there. There's coyotes over there. There's bobcats and mountain lions over there. Let's not go that way. Let's go this path. And he leadeth them beside the still waters and he taketh them and layeth them down in green pastures. That's what the ministers need to know because they are the guides to help people find the way. But they, we're not trucking them. Sheep got to walk on their own. And if you hear the voice of Christ and what we're saying, come and join us. If you're full of boasting and envy and anger and resentment, you probably don't have any common, anything in common with us. Setting the net down on the other side that through the love of Christ who feeds many, who shares with many, who guides and heals many. And we're coming on a time when we're going to need to put that net down in earnest on the other side of the boat. We're still gathering more ministers. The harvest will be great. The laborers are few. But we need to find those laborers, and we need to continue to build the network, and we need to build it in a way where those who come into the network are not disruptive to the message of Christ, are not trying to come in to lead people astray. From such, turn away. And we can see who they are because they are backbiters, they are false accusers, they come with their own agenda, they are making their own list, they are gathering their own group. They are trying to herd the Lord's sheep over into their fold. 
And you can see certain characteristics of the people who do that. They lurk. They don't speak up. They make accusations, but not really. You know, they, they're subtle. You know, it's that backbiting. But occasionally, you know, if you pray, they, they will expose themselves. And you need to say, well, obviously you don't want to go the way we're going, so we'll let you go another way. We've already done this somewhat with contact ministers that are elected by the people. Those that say, oh, we want to stay on the sidelines. We don't want to actually do anything. Well, the contact ministers, that's a working group. It's only for those who work. There is no sideline. That's You're on the field. If you come in as a contact minister, you're on the field. You can't you know, run out on the football field and sit down. If you don't play, you're back on the bench. Back on the bench, that's in the other parts of the network. And even the network itself, within the congregation, you can't just sit there and warm the pew. you got to become a part of what we're doing. And that means you have to get involved. You have to pick another contact minister or join a congregation of record. Because that's what we're creating the network. And those who want to be a part of that network can be a part of that network. But those who don't want to be a part of that network, they can go out and sit in the world, and we will send them Kingdom News messages. We have the all group they can get on, and they can do all those things. But the network is for those who are going to hold hands and warm the net of God that frees and sets their souls under God. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to Bergen 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.